Well, hello there, wonderful teachers. I want to invite you to an event we're doing this summer. It's in Cincinnati, Ohio, so you have to be able to make it there, but it might be worth traveling for if you're able to. It's happening on July 20th and 21st, so that's over a weekend, and it's going to be the best two days for teachers. We're going to have a ton of fun. We're going to learn a lot about pedagogy and creative teaching and business. We have two fabulous guest speakers and we're even going to finish with an optional Kaylee. That's an Irish dancing party. So I hope you'll be able to join me. Just go to vibrantmusicteaching.com slash turbo that's dot com slash t-u-r-b-o 24 the numbers two four. I hope you'll check it out view all the details there and I hope to see you in Cincinnati in July. On with the episode. Vibrant, vibrant, vibrant music teaching. Proven and practical tips, strategies, and ideas for music teachers. You're listening to the Vibrant Music Teaching Podcast. I'm Nicola Canton, and today we're talking about finding time for your professional development. Hello, lovely teachers. I hope you've had a wonderful week. Today, I'm going to be sharing with you a recording that was originally broadcast on YouTube a few years ago now, back in the early stages of COVID, if you'll believe it. I think the content is just as relevant today, so I thought I would share it with you today here on the show, and hopefully you can get some good tips out of this. Obviously, since it was recorded live, you'll sometimes hear me refer to comments, but I normally read them out, so hopefully you'll be able to follow along okay. Today on the show, we're going to be talking about professional development and how to fit it into your week and some tips for making professional development really work for you as a music teacher. So it's really important that all of us music teachers are lifelong learners and that we invest in improving all of the time. But sometimes it's really hard to fit that in, isn't it? It's hard to make the time for it and also to make it work for you. So that's what we're going to be talking about today on the show. Let's get started. I've got a few tips for you today. The first one is to track it and track it for expense reasons and also for your own information. So many teachers are doing all of this stuff, just like Laurie just mentioned, like we're doing this and that and the other thing. And what we forget to do is write down what we're even doing. So at the end of the year or at the end of the month or when we're doing our taxes, we have no idea what we spent time doing and what we spent money doing. So the money is really important for taxes. Obviously, you can claim your professional development and if you don't claim that, you're paying over the odds on taxes, which is unnecessary and not great for your bottom line. But it's also important to track this stuff so that you can look back on it and analyze what was useful what made a difference in your studio, and how much time you're actually spending on all of this stuff. Because as a teacher, you spend a lot more time than just your teaching hours working. And you need to know the total time that you spend on all of the things in your studio in order to work out things like your effective hourly rate, that is, the actual pay that you're getting, like if you were an employee of yourself, how much would you be being paid? And it can be quite shocking for teachers once they actually tally this stuff up if they've not been tracking it. So I want to encourage you to track everything that you're doing for your studio 
so that you can be honest with yourself and you can look at your effectively hourly rate and see okay are you making minimum wage are you are you doing better than that are you making zero because that does happen if you just let things snowball like that the other reason it's important to track these things for me is to brag about it to parents so I put this in my newsletter. I talked about my newsletter on a recent chat, so you can go back and check that out if you didn't see that one. But I, in that, I say I have a section in my newsletter that is about lifelong learning. That's what the title always is. And every year I just put a bit about some of the things I'm doing to make myself better as a teacher. Because it's important for parents to know that you're investing in yourself and improving and that you do believe in lifelong learning and you do practice what you preach, right? So track these things and take at least put them into your expense sheet, but also track them in general. They are part of your business expenses. I don't want teachers to be taking their Vibrant Music Teaching subscription out of their own pocket. And from emails I sometimes get from teachers who are thinking about joining but they're worried about the finances, they're clearly not tracking these things as expenses and considering their studio as a business in this way. So that's the first thing I wanted to get out of the way is that you need to track this stuff. Helen, in a recent chat, you mentioned something about not necessarily getting pupils to play with separate hands. Oh yeah, that's a great idea for a future topic, Helen. We might do one on that. Pat, chat about teaching new pieces. You know, I've been thinking about putting together a resource about that, so that's definitely a great idea. Julie said, it looks like my job often crosses the line as my hobby, all the professional development, game prep, so much is out of pocket. Yeah, you have to keep, you have to include that in your business. You know, you just have to be honest with yourself, really, about what stuff is happening and that it is part of your business and that it is part of the overall expenses and the hours that you're spending, no matter how much you love it, right? Okay, Claire was also intrigued about the hands together thing. So yeah, we might do one next week about teaching new pieces. That's a great idea, Helen. Thank you for that. Anyone else has ideas about next week's topics? Let me know. So my second tip for you is not going to be a surprise to anyone who has listened to anything I've done. Because <laughs> I do say this a lot. One thing. One thing at a time. How many times have I said this? I don't know, but I have to keep telling it to myself and therefore I keep saying it to you as well. So it's not because I'm just, you know, badgering you. It's because I actually think we have to tell ourselves these things over and over and over and keep reiterating them so that they actually sink in. So that if you take nothing else away from today, it is this one thing at a time. I see so many teachers wanting to do absolutely everything at once. A little bit of this, a little bit of that, a little bit of the other thing. And it's so tempting to do that because you see all these great ideas. But if you try to do all of the things, you do nothing. You just sort of spin your wheels. So you have to do one thing at a time. I'm sorry. I know it's not fun, but it's true. And actually it does end up being more fun. It's more gratifying because you really get results. You really move things forward. Laurie, I love that. Laurie just said, one thing, one thing, one thing, one thing. Yeah. I know I say it a lot, but we need to keep saying it to ourselves, don't we, Laurie? Absolutely. 
Kyra agrees as well. I have to keep reminding myself this all the time and hear you saying it. Yep. But that's... I'm the same. I need to keep saying it to myself too. Right? Anytime you find yourself flying in all directions, anytime you feel that scatty feeling in your brain, do you know the feeling I'm talking about? Where it's just like... I think a lot of us have felt this recently. Actually, I was talking to a friend about this recently. She was saying she just feels a little bit on edge and panicked all the time. And I said, listen, the first three weeks of the lockdown in Ireland, that was, that's exactly how I felt for three weeks straight. Just slightly frantic for no apparent reason. So anytime you get a micro version of that, you need to slow down and say, okay, what's my one thing right now? Something I find really useful is just writing a list in a notebook. These are all the things I could be doing. Okay, which one is actually the top priority? Do that now. Don't look at the entire list and go, well, I'm going to do all of them. Because you can't do all of them at the same time. So you have to do one thing. So this goes for to-do lists and it goes for learning. You have to learn one thing at a time. Diane, I'm afraid I will pick the one wrong thing. That's such an interesting point, Diane. Thank you for that. The list is really my best tip on that. I find that once I look at the list of all the things, I can say, okay, which one is going to have the biggest impact? Which one matters right now? And one way to narrow that down, Diane, comes to my next point. One student. If you're having trouble picking one thing, pick one student. And pick one thing for that one student. So this means you pick out a student who is having a particular challenge or you're having trouble with something in their teaching or you just feel like they need a new inspiration, whatever. You pick that one student and then you pick one thing you're going to try with that one student and then you do it. You actually take action on that one thing with that one student and that's how you will make a change. It doesn't mean you're restricted to that. It's much like improv, right? When we give our students the entire piano to play with, it's overwhelming. It's impossible to improvise anywhere. But if we say, okay, just play on the black keys and put down the pedal, it sounds good. And they have that restraint that means they can be more creative. So that's what I'm asking you to do to yourself here. Pick one thing with one student and you will have success with that or you know, it won't work and you'll try something new and then you'll try it with other students and you'll try other things and you'll branch out. But one thing each time and pick one student to try it out with always because if you're not trying it with a student and this obviously doesn't apply to stuff you're learning about business but it's the same kind of idea. But with pedagogy things, if, you, if you're not trying it with one student, it doesn't matter. It doesn't exist until you've put it into action in a real lesson. Carrie says, doing a brain dump by writing it all out is super helpful. I agree. That is my go-to strategy. Ellen said, multitasking is a myth. I actually kind of do multitask in some cases, but I agree with you for the most part. And I know that a lot of people think they're multitasking and they're not. Some people actually can multitask though, but it's like a... It's like a super skill. I, I'm going way off track, but yes, I agree with you. Most, most of the time, multitasking is a mis myth, and it's just people context switching and actually slowing themselves down. One thing at a time. One thing, one thing, one thing. How many times can we say that in this one broadcast? What do we think? 
so one can go back and count the video if you have if you want to waste some time while we're talking about saving time okay yes so true julie even if you don't make the progress you want with that one student you will have gained valuable experience that will help you in another situation that is so true even when you something falls flat on its face or you decide i never want to do this particular song again or this particular strategy you still learn a huge amount from it. Okay, so hit the like button on this video if you are going to try and do one thing with one student this week. Commit to it. Take that small, tiny little action to commit to doing one thing at a time. One like button, one thing. My next tip, tip number four, just in time. This is similar. You might have noticed a common theme here. It's about simplifying all about getting simpler. Just in time means learn the thing you need just before you need it. This doesn't go for general piano playing and like obviously if you're teaching I want you to be well beyond your students level. But what I mean by just in time learning for us teachers is don't, I keep coming back to this phrase collect underpants which I've gotten it's I think it's originally from South Park but I know it from the blog Nerd Fitness anyone ever read Nerd Fitness I happened across some article of theirs ages ago and he talks about collecting underpants meaning you're just collecting all of these ideas there's a more common term for this but I've forgotten what it is where you're just in research mode for so long and you never take action on it so you're just saying and they're talking about fitness right so you're learning about the paleo diet and then you're learning about this thing and then you're learning about v veganism and then you're learning about keto and you learn about barbells versus dumbbells and you're actually just hoarding all these ideas and you never do any of them and teachers can do that too you're just collecting things oh shiny little things it's just being a magpie right and hoarding them in your nest and never actually using them with your students. So when I say just in time, I mean when you're going to teach lead sheets to your student, go and research how to teach lead sheets to your student. And this is where Vibrant Music Teaching is built for this. I want you to be able to find what you need when you need it. That's why I built the site the way I did. So when you're about to teach something in particular to your student, you go into the library and you learn the, about the game to teach that thing or you watch a video or a course about that thing. And when it's time to learn about marketing, you learn about marketing. There's a course coming out later today, which is why marketing is on my brain. So that's just in time for now because a lot of us need to up our marketing game in the summer. Chat is going wild today. Thank you guys so much for all chiming in on so many fun things. Karen, please give me an example of one thing. Oh my gosh. It could be anything. Absolutely anything. Let me give you an example. Okay. So the marketing course is coming out later today. So that's on my brain. Because <laughs> I've been working on it. So you would watch lesson one of the marketing course. And then you would... Stop yourself from watching lesson two until you've completed the action step for lesson one. That's one example of doing one thing. Because you're not letting yourself just collect stuff and hoard ideas. You're going to actually go and take action on that one idea from lesson one and use it before you come back and watch lesson two. And you're also going to not 
take a billion other courses at the same time until you complete that course. That's one example. Another example is you're reading a blog article, you're researching um, ideas for teaching practice. So you look up a practice game, perhaps on the Colourful Keys blog, and you read it, and then you say, okay, I'm going to use that with Susan this week. And then you use it with Susan, and then when you're finished with that one thing, you look up another practice game, or you learn about something completely different, and you try that with Freddie next week. Does that make sense, Karen? I hope that helps clarify that for you. Great stuff, guys. Laurie just had a giant laugh a while back. I'm not sure which part of my rant that was for, but thank you for the support, Laurie. I write things down and pin them on Pinterest all the time to help me remember. Yeah, but just don't let it be a Pinterest board of ideas that you've never used. Not saying you're doing that, Cherry, just saying that I do that. Like recipes, like I collect all these recipes and then I don't actually use them. Or I don't remember which ones I used. That's something I've been making an effort with, actually, <laughs> since the lockdown started. I've got a bit more, more evenings at home. And so I've been collecting the recipes that I actually tried and actually worked in one Google Doc. See? One thing. Not really the same idea, but anyway. <laughs> oh, it was the underpants. Yes, collecting underpants is... It's just a funny visual to... And, yeah, it's just memorable. I always come back to it. Vanessa, I love that. I've scrapped the someday maybe list and have allocated each idea task reading to a specific date. Used to do this in Google Calendar, but I'm loving Notion for this now. Yeah, absolutely. We are going to have something coming out in July, which is going to help all of you VMT members with this, which is going to be a special list system with quite a big difference to help you keep things simple and do one thing at a time and really take action on this stuff. So that's all I'm going to say about that for now, but there's something I'm really, really excited about and we've been developing it for quite some time. The other thing I will say, though, about that comment about the someday list, I actually find it is useful to have that maybe someday list on the go all the time so that when something fun occurs to you that you're like, oh, it'd be cool to do that or whatever, you can write it on that list and just get it out of your brain and then go back to focusing on the one thing. That I find that to be a useful strategy for me. Nice. Okay. So, let me know if this has been useful so far. I have one more tip for you. Same time, same place. Some of the most grounded and balanced teachers I know have a schedule for their professional development. They log into VMT or go into their blog feed, their blog collector or whatever. Their to-do list system, like was just mentioned there at the same time every week. And they dedicate a certain amount of time to that. And it doesn't mean that the rest of the week they don't pay attention to what's going on around them or write down ideas as they have them, but they have that dedicated specific time when they're really going to focus on their priority right then with their own learning. It's the same as students setting up a practice routine, right? We need to stop being hypocrites a little bit. And we need to actually dedicate the same time in a predictable way every week to improving, to practicing too. I mean, this goes for that too, but if you're going to learn about something, you need to set aside a specific time to do that and you need it to be repeated. 
I hope you enjoyed that little excerpt from our YouTube chat a few years ago. Do let me know what you thought about it and how you find time for your professional development. I'd love to hear from you over on Instagram. We're at Colourful Keys over there. One of the awesome benefits for Vibrant Music Teaching members is that they get an exclusive member magazine every month. This magazine brings together our blog articles in a way that is digestible and super actionable. If you want to become a member and get the magazine as well as all the other benefits, you can go to vmt.ninja to sign up. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Vibrant Music Teaching Podcast. I hope you loved it and I wanted to pop on here one more time to remind you about our event. It's happening in Cincinnati this July and you can get all the details at vibrantmusicteaching.com slash turbo. See you there.